listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome all of you here to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. I'm so glad that all of you are here. Uh, what, a, what a blessing it is to come together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, again, just thank you for, for coming this morning. I do have a short announcement to make following up last week. I want to inform all of you dear brothers and sisters that uh, the memorial service for our dear brother in Christ, Chet Yu, will be held this Saturday, July 30th, here at Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. And there will just be a memorial service here and, and no, no gravesite service. So please come this Saturday at 10 a.m. as we uh, remember uh, the blessing of our dear brother. Uh, please continue to pray for the family. Pray for uh, our dear sister in Christ, Fanny. Pray for their son, Joel. And all those, our dear brothers and sisters who are grieving the loss of a loved one today. Actually, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. God, you are all-powerful, all-knowing. You are in control. And God, we are in awe of you. God, thank you for this beautiful day that you've allowed us to come, to gather together as a church, as a body, the body of Christ, as a family, to worship you. God, I thank you for our friends who are joining us today, here in person and those online that desire, God, to, to hear your word and to get to know you more. I pray, God, that you would stir in our hearts this morning. I pray that you'd open our eyes and our ears, God, to see you, to hear you. God, help us to understand your word. Help us to understand what it is you are trying to teach us this morning. And God, I pray that not only would we hear you, would we understand your word, God, but we would commit to living it out and that your word, God, and your Holy Spirit would change us from the inside out. God, I know there are many here that are hurting. There are many here who are grieving the loss of loved ones. And God, for them, I pray. I pray for your strength. I pray for your comfort. God, I pray that you would remind each one of us of your love and of your presence. That you would remind us of how you demonstrated your love through your one and only son, Jesus, who came and died on the cross so that we might be forgiven of our sins, so that we might have the blessed assurance of eternal life through faith in your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, for how you provide for us perfectly. Thank you, God, for the hope that we have in you. Thank you for giving us joy and peace that comes only through a relationship with your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be here today. God, we give this time to you, and we ask, God, that, that, that you would be honored, that you would be glorified. Help us, God, to focus in on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a question for all of you again. Does anybody know what the greatest problem in our world is today? Anybody know what the greatest problem in our world is today? This is a test. I'm going to call on each of you. Please answer accordingly. 
Starting over here. I'm just kidding. You don't have to answer. The greatest problem in our world today is sin. The greatest problem in our world today is sin. Sin. Sin, what is it? Sin is disobeying God. Sin is falling short of God's perfect standard. God tells us in his word, the Bible, that all of us, every single one of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. And if we were really honest with ourselves and we really took a moment to evaluate our lives, we would recognize that, yes, we are far from perfect. We all make mistakes. And if we're even to open up God's word and to look at some of his commands or things that he's called us to do, we would realize that we, there is no way that we could ever follow his commands or his law perfectly. You see, God also tells us this in his word. He tells us the consequences of sin. He tells us the penalty of sin is death, eternal separation from him, eternal spiritual death. And so we know sin is our greatest problem and it separates us from our creator God and it renders us spiritually dead. And if left unforgiven, if left undealt with, the result of our sin is eternal death in hell. Sin, it's the reason why there is death. Sin is the reason why there's disease and brokenness and difficulty in this life. Think about it. Sin, it shatters relationships. It causes us to think foolishly and leads us to make bad choices. Sin moves us to act in evil and destructive ways. Sin leaves us stranded and hopeless. But I want to remind each one of you this morning that yes, if left in our sin, if sin was the end, if sin was the end of our story, then yes, we are hopeless and we are doomed. But that is not the end. That is not the end of our story. See, when we consider the reality of sin, we are forced to answer these two questions. Number one, can I be forgiven of my sin? And number two, who or what could possibly forgive me of my sins? Now, friends, I want to share with you this morning, if you've never heard it before, and some of you need to hear it again, I have good news to share with you. Not only does God tell us in his word that we have all sinned and deserve to die because of our sin, but God also tells us and reminds us this morning that, yes, our sins, your sins can be forgiven. And who can forgive those sins? Who forgives our sin? God does. The God who is revealed in, in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth, lived the perfect life, and died a gruesome death on that cross. Jesus, the son of God, the son of man, the holy one of God, who came to take away the sins of the world. He is our only hope. He is our, the only one who can forgive sin. He is the only way that we can get to God the Father, the only way that we can have eternal life. Jesus is the only one that can deliver us from the power of sin. He's the only one that can save our souls. And so we study the book of Mark this morning, the gospel of Mark. We continue our study, and I pray that as we look into chapter 2 this morning of the gospel of Mark, that each one of us would see the implications of the fact that Jesus forgives sinners. 
as we study these 17 verses here in the second chapter of Mark, that we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus forgives sinners and that we would see the implications of that for us today. So would you turn to your Bible today? Would you open it up and open it up, open the Bible app, turn to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. I want us to read this passage together. Read it silently as I read it out loud. But as you are turning there, and if you want to, you can refer to your bulletin for an outline. You can take notes. You can draw on it. You can doodle. Whatever you want to do, whatever will help you to pay attention to what God has to say to you today. But if you want to follow along in the scripture, you can look at the screen or look in your Bible. But here's a little background. Here's the setting of where we find ourselves in the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus has come. He was preaching, praying, casting out demons, healing the sick, forgiving sins in Galilee. And at the end of chapter 1, we see that he heals a man from leprosy. And what does that man do after being healed by Jesus Christ? Does he go quietly and tell nobody just like Jesus told him to do? No, he cannot help but tell every single person what Jesus has done. And so the crowds of people are growing. People want to see this man named Jesus. They want to see him perform miracles. They want to see what exactly is going on. <clears throat> the crowds are growing, and so Jesus was forced to go out from the city. He is forced to leave, right? And he goes to a new place to teach and tell people about himself, calling everybody to repent and believe the good news, for the kingdom of God has come near. That is why he has come. And so he goes around and he's teaching. And so here we find ourselves in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. So would you follow along silently as I read it out loud? Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth, 
follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, when you look at this section of Scripture, there are four truths that I want us to observe and to keep in mind as, as we study this this morning. And the first one is this. Jesus cares for your hurt. Jesus cares for your hurt. Look at these first five verses again. I want to read them to you again. I want you to look at them. We're going to study them. A few days later when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get to him, get to Jesus because of the crowd, they, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat that this man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. So think about this. Try to picture this in your mind. All right, Jesus is in this house. All right, he's teaching the word of God. All right, he's preaching and calling people to repent and to believe the good news about himself. He's teaching them from the Old Testament scriptures, which they would be familiar with. And he's sharing about himself, right, calling them to come, to follow him, to repent and to believe, to, to trust him in faith. Because the kingdom of God is, is, is near. See, what does this tell us about Jesus? He's around all of these people. And we know, just like you and I, we all have needs, don't we? But Jesus knows their greatest need, their greatest need and their greatest problem. Their greatest problem is sin, and their greatest need is to be saved from their sin. And that's why he has come. And so he's there. He's with the crowd. He's teaching them the word of God. He's teaching them about himself. And what happens? There's this noise up on the roof. There's these four guys that bring their friend who's been paralyzed, who can't move. They're literally carrying him on a mat. They believe that if they could just meet Jesus, that he might be able to heal their friend who's paralyzed. They go up on the roof. These are some good friends. I don't know, have any of you ever tried to carry your friend? Uh, I, I have, I couldn't do it. Um, but uh, that was just for fun. They carry their friend up on the roof. They dig through the roof. Can you imagine someone digging through your roof? This is out of the ordinary. This is ridiculous. This is unheard of. This is not a common practice back in biblical times for someone to destroy your roof and lower somebody down. But they do this. Why? Because they have a need and they believe Jesus will provide for them. And so they lower their friend Jesus is teaching this group of men, they're Caroline, he's teaching the crowds, and they lower their friend down, and when Jesus recognizes what's going on, and obviously this is not a surprise to Jesus, Jesus knows what's happening, he knows the hearts of these four men, he knows the hearts of their friend that is paralyzed, and yet when they lower him down in front of Jesus, 
Uh, that was a great placement, too. I don't know how they did that. But they lowered him down in front of Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Guys, this is so rude. How could you destroy this person's house? How could you disrupt this meeting? What does he say? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus showed his love. He showed his compassion for this man. And not only did he provide for this man's temp temporal need, right? He healed this man. But Jesus provided for his eternal need for salvation. He forgave him of his sin. And why did he do that? Because this man trusted Jesus. Just, this man believed that Jesus could heal him. This man had faith. You see, in Jesus had compassion for this man. Jesus extended this love and this grace and this mercy, extended his forgiveness to this paralyzed sinner. And this man received God's full and complete pardon for his sin. And yes, this man had all kinds of needs, right? This man was paralyzed. He needed physical healing. But even more so, just like you and just like me, just like all of us, he needed to experience and receive the forgiveness of his sins made possible only by our Savior, by our Lord Jesus Christ. For salvation can be found nowhere else other than Jesus Christ alone. Jesus is the only one that saves, and by his grace, he saves us when we put our trust, when we put our faith in him as Lord and I ask you, dear friend, brother, sister, what hurt are you carrying with you today? What pain are you going through today? What difficulty are you wrestling with this morning? I want you to know that Jesus knows, just like he knew the hearts of those men carrying their friend, just like he knew that they believed that he could help them and heal them, Jesus knows your hurt. Jesus knows your pain. Jesus knows your greatest need, and that's why he came, and that's why he died on the cross. He wants to save you. He wants you to know that he loves you, and he provided for you to have eternal life. He gave everything. He gave his life so that you might have life. And not only does he know what you're going through now, he has provided for the rest of forever for you. So as we look at Jesus healing and saving this paralyzed man, I pray, friends, brothers and sisters, that you and I, that we'd be reminded that in our hurt, in our pain, in our difficulty, we can trust Jesus. We can run to God. We can come before God and know that he cares for us. Know that he loves you. Know that his compassion is for you and that he's provided for you and that he has a plan for you even in the midst of your pain. That he's working out his perfect plan for your good and for his glory. You see, not only does Jesus care for your hurt, but here's the second truth that I want you to know this morning. Jesus helps. Jesus helps because he is God. Look at verses 6 through 11. All right, I'll read them again for you. Verses 6 through 11. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, 
get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. What's going on? What happens here? See, Jesus caring for the crowd in, this, in the previous section that we studied, right, leading up to chapter 2, we now see Jesus trying to help this callous group of religious leaders. Their hearts are hardened. They're spiritually blind. And yet these are the religious leaders of the time. Who are these religious leaders? Well, here we're talking about the scribes. The scribes at that time, they were responsible not only for recording the words of God and sharing the words of God, but they studied it and they knew it and they taught the word of God. These were experts in the word of God. So these religious elite see what happened. They see what is going on. They see what Jesus has done. And they heard what Jesus said. Jesus just healed this paralyzed man. And, and what did he say? He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And they thought to themselves, how could he talk like that? He's not God. Who is this guy that says that he has forgiven their sins? Because we know only God can forgive sin. Right? They knew. They got that right. The religious leaders, they knew that much. That God can forgive sin. And so they say, who is this guy? So they took this time, they took the opportunity to accuse Jesus of blasphemy. Blasphemy against God. They thought God is God and Jesus is not God. How dare he think that he could be like God and that he could possibly forgive sin. You see, it's something to know about blasphemy. All right, from the perspective of the Jewish person at that time, blasphemy was one of the most horrendous crimes that somebody could commit. <clears throat> Blasphemy, it was speaking evil of God's word. It was speaking evil of God, the person of God. Or it was claiming to have the same or to be at the same level as God, to have the same authority as God. This is what it was meant. And this is how someone could be guilty of, of blasphemy. And the punishment for this crime was death. You see, and if we were to... to look further on in the Gospels or to think further on as, as we already know, right? This is the very crime that the religious leaders would use to accuse Jesus that ultimately led to his death on the cross. So let's look at Jesus. Jesus, he knows their hearts. He knows what they are thinking, right? So even that, how could Jesus possibly know what they were thinking in their hearts and in their minds? It's because Jesus is God. Jesus is not just a man. He is a man, but he is also fully God. He knows what is on their hearts, what they're thinking in their minds. And Jesus responds to them. Jesus shows them that he knows everything, that he's all-powerful, and that he can truly forgive sin. So the religious leaders were right. Only God can forgive sin. But what were they missing? They're missing the fact that Jesus is God, that he is the Messiah. He's the one, he's the Savior that they have been waiting for. And so he tells the scribes this, right? He tells them, guys, it's easier for me to tell this paralyzed man to walk and for you to see him get up and walk 
than it is for me to say that his sins are forgiven because you wouldn't be able to see or notice that his sins are forgiven. So he's like, guys, it'd be easier for me just to tell him to get up and walk because at least then you'd see proof that I can actually heal this man. And so what does Jesus do? He heals this paralyzed man. He tells this man to get up, pick up your mat, and walk. You see, Jesus, not only does he help this man who needs healing, this man who needs physical healing and spiritual healing, but he also tries to help these religious elites who think they know everything and that they are righteous. He tries to help the scribes to understand that they need forgiveness just as much as this man does. And he, Jesus, is the only one that can save them. Look at verse 10. He wants them to know what? He wants them to know that he is the Son of Man. You see, this term, why, why, why would Jesus talk like this? Why didn't he just say, I am God? Guys, I am God. I am the Savior. But he says, I am the Son of Man. He says this to them because that group of people, those people in the audience, that would be a familiar reference to them. Because remember, these people that were gathered around and these Jewish religious leaders, they knew the Old Testament scriptures. They knew the prophecies of old. They knew the book of Daniel that talked about a Messiah that would come, that would have the authority of God, and that would reign for eternity in Daniel chapter 7. They knew Daniel chapter 7 that described Jesus' humanity and his divinity, and it would resonate with them. And so he said, I want you to know I am the Son of Man that you've been studying about all your life. I am that man. I am God. You see, Jesus, he uses that designation to refer to himself 14 times in the book of Mark. And over 80 times in all of the Gospels, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. So Jesus, what does he do? He proceeds to show them who he, who he is by following through with what he just said. He said, I can't show you that this man is forgiven of his sins by faith, but I can show you that I have full power and authority to heal his ailments. I have full power and authority to heal him right now and also for the rest of eternity. Jesus tells the man, get up and go home. And the man is instantly healed. Instantly. He didn't have to go through months of therapy. He didn't have to have a rehab session. He didn't have to stretch out or, or whatever or warm up his muscles. Instantly, when Jesus said that man to that man, get up, take your mat and walk, that man got up, picked up his stuff, and he went home. I ask you, dear friends, do you believe that Jesus is God? If you believe that Jesus is God, then today is the day to trust and follow Jesus every day. To trust and follow Jesus all the way to heaven. And to you, my dear church family, this is a lesson for us too. You might be thinking, well, Pastor Steve, I already know Jesus is God. That's obvious. I've been a Christian all of my life. Jesus, I know Jesus is God. But when you look at this reality and we are reminded of this truth that Jesus is God, he's the son of God, he's the savior of the world. When we are reminded of this truth, this is an encouragement for us too. Because if you, brother 
And sister, if you too confess Jesus is your Lord, then we must consider how we live this out daily and how it is that Jesus is our Lord each and every day. Not just in word, but in action. We need to be doers of God's word. We need to lead our families to know, to love, and to follow Jesus. Not just to know about Jesus and to pray a prayer, asking Jesus to forgive us of our sin, but we need to teach one another and encourage one another and teach our children what it means that Jesus is Lord of our lives and teach them to follow him. You see, are we like the hard-hearted religious elite here who know the word of God but reject the lordship of Jesus Christ? Or are we like the paralyzed man who recognizes that there's nothing he can do that he is in such dire need that if Jesus, if he could just meet Jesus, that Jesus could help him, that Jesus could save him, that Jesus could heal him. Which one are we? You see, Jesus is the only one that can help us. Because Jesus is the only one who is God. You see, and maybe, maybe today you need to have a discussion with your spouse Maybe you need to have a discussion with your children. Maybe you need to have a discussion with your friends, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe we need to think about and, and, and ask God to search our hearts. And we need to have a talk about how we will intentionally disciple and grow as followers of Jesus Christ. How we're going to help our family, our children, our relatives, our friends to know, to love, and to follow Jesus. Maybe we need to, maybe we need to have that conversation tonight. Maybe we need to make some changes to our daily habits because we know that they do not line up with God's word. We know that they are not honoring to God. Maybe we need to stop doing some things. Maybe we need to start doing some other things. You see, when we understand that the good news of Jesus Christ, when we understand that the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, then we will recognize our dire need for him daily and we will obediently and faithfully trust and follow him with every fiber of our being. Not just on Sunday, not just at community group, not just when we pray, before we eat, but every day, all the time. See, and the third truth that we see here is that Jesus' provision always leads to praise. Jesus' provision always leads to praise. I want you to think about this and look at verse 12. He got up, the man got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of everybody. And this amazed everyone. And what did they do? What does it say that the people did that witnessed this miracle? They praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus told that man, get up and walk. So what did the man do? He got up, gathered his things, and he walked out of that house. Everyone saw what Jesus had done. They saw that he healed this man from paralysis. Everyone was amazed. And they didn't just say, wow, that was great. Bye. They praised God. They knew at that moment what they saw, only God could do that. And they were amazed. And not just... A they did not just feel a feeling. They responded with their lives. 
by praising God, acknowledging God's greatness of who he is, his person. That's what it means to praise God. Brother and sister, dear friend, when we, if that's our desire to praise God, it means to acknowledge God for who he is, to acknowledge his greatness, acknowledge his goodness, acknowledge his character. That's what it means to praise God. When we sing songs, I pray that we sing songs of praise to God that don't just focus on ourselves and our own experience, but point to the greatness of the one and only true living God. Everyone was amazed and they praised God. You see, people were amazed at how this paralyzed man could be healed in an instant. But do you know... What is even more amazing about what happened here at that moment, what Jesus did? Do you know what's more amazing than being healed from paralysis? Jesus saved this man from his sin. That's even more amazing. Right? Life on this earth is temporary. Some of you might live to 200 years old. But can you imagine what 200 years looks like on the timeline of eternity? That's nothing. That's but a speck of time compared to the rest of eternity. And yeah, we would cheer. We would be in awe and amazed too if we saw someone who was paralyzed be healed in an instant. But see, the even greater thing that was done was that Jesus forgave him. Jesus changed the course of his eternity. And it's because of his faith, his trust in Jesus as Lord, his belief, and his acknowledgement that he needed Jesus to save him. That's what was amazing. And I pray, brothers and sisters, look at your life. Jesus has done that amazing work in you and in me. He's forgiven you and me of our sin. He's forgiven you. He paid the price on the cross. He conquered death. He conquered sin so that you might have eternal life. How do we respond? To what Jesus has done. Do you respond with praise? What is it that you respond to God with every day? Do we respond with just personal preferences? Do we respond apathetically? Do we respond by prioritizing the Word of God and taking it seriously? Do we prioritize the mission of God? Or do we prioritize our fears? Do we prioritize our comfort and our safety? I can't possibly share what Jesus has done for me, even though it's so amazing. I'm scared what this guy would say to me if I opened my mouth and shared that Jesus saved me. He might yell at me. He might say I'm stupid. But this is such amazing news that I'm so scared of that guy and what he might say. Brothers and sisters, I pray that that wouldn't be you see, the people, this was a natural reaction to what they saw and what they heard, what they just witnessed. You see, and that's the challenge for us. Let's remember and never forget and let's never stop telling about how Jesus has saved us, brought us out from the darkness and into the light, how he's given me new life and changed my life forever. For I was once a wretch, stuck in the darkness, stuck in the mud, yet Jesus reached down and he brought me out of that miry clay and he's changed me forever. That's because of what he's done, because he is alive, that I'm alive today. 
We have such good news to share. See, when we acknowledge and we recognize what Jesus has done, then we will praise him because that, there is no other reaction. When you understand what Jesus has done for you, you will praise him. You will tell the world. And lastly, when you look at this passage, when you look at verses 13 through 17, we see that Jesus calls the most unlikely people. Jesus calls the unlikely. Look at verses 13 through 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him. He began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to him, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And what Jesus is saying, I have not come to try to debate and battle with those who think they're already righteous. He's saying, I have come to offer salvation to those who know that they need saving. For those who know who, and who are humble in heart, who are poor in spirit. Right? We think of the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Why is it that those who are poor in spirit, how could they inherit the kingdom of God? It's because they recognize that they could do nothing on their own, that they are destitute without Jesus. Jesus said, right, it's not health, the healthy I came to save, it's the sick. I'm not calling the self-righteous, I'm here to call the sinners. You see, look at what happens. Jesus is teaching, he sees Levi, this tax collector, and he calls to, to Levi. He says to Levi, follow me. And Levi say, hey, let me think about it for, for a couple weeks. Let me pray about it, and I'll get back to you, Jesus. Levi gets up and he follows him. He knows who Jesus is. There's nothing else worth, no one else worth following. He gets up and he follows Jesus. You see, we need to understand something about tax collectors. They were hated. They were despised. Because not only did they represent oppressive powers of the day, but they oftentimes abused their very own people and their position by stealing from their very own people. Yet Jesus calls Levi, this sinner, this person who's hated, right? Would you think, Levi, uh, Jesus, couldn't you call someone who's nicer? Couldn't you call someone who's better than Levi? He calls Levi to follow him, and Levi responds with faith. And here again, right, you look at the reaction. You look at Levi's reaction, he gets up and he follows Jesus. And you look at the Pharisees, you look at the religious leaders, the people who should know better. Right, and what is their reaction? These teachers of the Old Testament law that, that valued following rules more than a relationship with God, that was their sin. They valued following rules more than they valued the relationship with God. These Pharisees are appalled. Why does Jesus eat with these dirty tax collectors and sinners? 
I added the word dirty. Okay. But he says, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is saying, I've come to save those who recognize that they need to be saved. You see, Levi, he was despised and he was an outcast because of his career. Sinners, they are unclean. They are disobedient to God. They are those to be pitied and punished by God. They are rejected by others. And yet, what does Jesus do? He meets with them. He eats with them. He talks with them. He loves them. He shows them compassion. Jesus meets with these unlikely people because he has come to seek and to save who? The lost. Jesus has come to forgive sinners like you and like me. You know, I once talked to, to a young man who would not step foot in a church. Do you know why? I invited him a number of times. Please come and visit us at church. If you want to learn more about God, just come visit us on Sunday. He said, Steve, I am scared because you don't know me, Steve. I am so, such a bad person. If I were to step foot in a church, God would strike me dead. I mean, that, that made me step back for a minute and think, oh my gosh, you actually believe that about God? That he doesn't want you to come to him? He doesn't want you to learn about him? That he just wants to kill you because you're such a filthy, bad person? I said, oh man, friend, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you what I know about God. Let me tell you about my Jesus, about my Savior. He came to die for you. He doesn't want you to die. Jesus died so that you could be forgiven of your sin, so that you could have eternal life, so that you can have hope and a future. That's the God that I know. That's the God of the Bible. When I read and when I study, that is my God. He doesn't want to strike you dead. He wants to give you life. And that's why he gave everything, so that you can have everything. And I shared that that night with that man, that young man who thought that lie I was able to share the truth of God's word with him. And you know what? He did end up showing up here at this very church. And I'm not going to say his life was changed forever, but at least he took a step and he heard the truth. He heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he would not have to live based on lies, but that he could hear the truth of God and that maybe God might save him. Brother, sister, dear friend, what about you today? Maybe you are living based off lies. Maybe you feel outcast today. Maybe you feel distant. Maybe you feel like God could not possibly forgive you. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in your sin and there's no way you could ever get out of that or overcome it. Maybe you feel like there is no hope. Friend, I want you to know that there is always hope. Because Jesus rose from the dead, there is hope for you today because there is hope for me. You know, for once, at one time, I, I was a, a broken sinner destined to die and go to hell. But by the grace of God, Jesus opened my eyes to the good news of himself, that he died and he paid the price once and for all on the cross through the shedding of his blood for my sin, and not just my sin, but your sin. Jesus opened my eyes to that reality 
And I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, not just so that I could go to heaven someday, but because also I realized that Jesus is the only way. He is the only way to live the best life. His way is best. And I want to follow him. I want to follow him all the way to heaven. I don't know where you are today, dear friend, dear brother or sister, but what will your response be to the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is God, that he's the son of man, and that he came, and he came to save sinners like you and me. He died on that cross, he paid the ultimate price, and he rose from the dead. And it's because of what he did that we now can have hope, and we now have a future, we now have good news to share with the world that is dying and lost, and we see it every day. And we have a mission. If there's anybody here who feels like there is no point to your life and you feel like, what could God possibly do in me and through me? I want you to know today that God created you to know him, to love him, and to have hope in Jesus Christ, his son, so that you can be, receive that good news and receive eternal life and tell the world what you've seen and what you heard and what Jesus has done for you so that they might be saved too. Don't ever believe the lie that your life is worthless or meaningless or that you're, there's nothing else for you to do in this life. Dear wiser people, brothers and sisters, dear older brothers and sisters, don't ever believe the lie that you are done with what God has for you to do. As long as you are living and breathing, you have been given breath to tell someone about Jesus and to make disciples. You're not done yet. None of us are. God is still doing great things. And so I ask you, would you respond to Jesus today? Uh, I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to pray with me. I want to invite Jeremy back up here. How will you respond to Jesus? To the reality that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the Son of Man, that he's the Savior who came and died on the cross. What will your response be? Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we praise you, God. I thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you, God, for the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for reminding us today of how you came to seek and to save the lost. And you saved someone like me. And you saved my brothers and my sisters here. And you want to save my friends who, who are hearing your word today. And yet they haven't made that decision to trust you as their Lord. They haven't acknowledged that they're a sinner and that they need you to save them. But God, I pray that if there's someone here today that hasn't put their trust in Jesus as Lord, that right now they would confess right now, just between you and them, God, that they would confess with their mouth, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm not perfect. I know I have sinned against you. But God, I also know that you love me and that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I need you to save me. Jesus, I confess you today. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my master. I want you to lead me. I want to follow you all the way to heaven. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here that just prayed that, that just confessed Jesus as Lord, that they would know that right now that their sins are forgiven. Their sins have been wiped clean. They've been given new life in Jesus Christ. 
and that they can be sure beyond the shadow of a doubt that the rest of their eternity is with you. And that starts today as we live, as we breathe here on earth, that you are with us and that you will never leave us or forsake us, that no one could ever separate us from your love. And yet, God, I also pray for my brothers and sisters. God, some of us have grown complacent. Some of us has, have lost that awe and wonder of the good news of the gospel and what you've done for us through your son. Some of us are living lives as if we are our own God and we forget that Jesus is the only God, that you are the only true living God, that you are the only Lord worth following. Yes, some of us need to repent and believe you once again and choose to follow you. We need to lead, commit to leading our families to know you, to love you, and to follow you. We need to share with our friends and stop settling for sin and the garbage of this world and the brokenness of this world, and we need to choose what is right and what is good. God, I pray that we would choose you today as you speak to us, as you lead us, as we respond, as we sing this song, God, would you help us? I thank you for being so good and so patient and so gracious and merciful to us. Thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Dear friend, if God is leading you to respond, if you made a decision just now as we were praying, I want to invite you as we sing this song, as Jeremy leads us, that you would come and share that with me so that I could rejoice with you, so that I could pray with you and encourage you. Brother or sister, if you want to just pray at these steps and pray with and share with God whatever it is that he's laid on your heart, I encourage you just to come up here and just to pray. However it is that God is leading you to respond, please come, would you come as we sing. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.